Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. Uh, Sorry about that. This is live video and we get all kinds of problems. Got to work out some of these bugs. That's why I am doing this to try to figure out what the heck is going wrong. But we are live with number 298 of Mets Musings. Hope everybody had a great week out there. Better than uh, the Metsies did, at least. Uh, Mets go 2-2 two and two with the Nationals. Were impressive. Thought they were showing something season's over folks let's admit that but at least you know we could have saw a little something and then lose the series to the cincinnati reds how do you do that how, how do you lose i mean they got it out here 20 was outscored 21 to 8 and the best pitcher the best pitcher in the whole three game series for the metsies was Rafael Montero. He pitched a career-best eight and one-thirds innings, scoreless, allowing just three hits and four walks as the Mets beat the Reds in the middle game of the series 2-0. So uh, kudos go out to um, to uh, Rafael Montero. And now it's on to Houston, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit with my guest uh, in, in an interview that I recorded last evening. So you'll get to hear him talk about the Houston Astros and the Mets doctors are reportedly suggesting outfielder Michael Conforto undergo surgery, which would require require recovery time of four to six months after he dislocated his shoulder and tore the anterior capsule last week. If you remember, we uh, had that video clip on this very show. According to the New York Daily News, Christy Ackert, Conforto dislocated his left shoulder and tore his left posterior capsule on a swing in uh, that same game last week against the Diamondbacks. While the recovery time doctors provided would not assure Conforto of being ready for spring training next February, the 24-year-old outfielder was scheduled to receive a second opinion. And uh, However, the Mets do not anticipate their input will differ, according to Ackert. Conforto, who played in his first All-Star game in July, was hitting 279 with 27 home runs and 68 RBI in 109 games for the Mets this season. And a lot of those Home runs came out of the leadoff spot, so thus the uh, the the RBI may be a little uh, lower than you would anticipate uh, because he was hitting out of the leadoff spot. But uh, this is nothing but a shame. We said this last week that uh, Michael Conforto, star on the rise, a guy really uh, heading for a big, big future, and this had to happen to him, and it's just... Uh, when it happened, it was just sickening too. Just, just very painful thing to watch. So, uh, but you know, let's hope he gets the uh, help and he comes back at a hundred percent. And um, <laughs> it's it's just you know it's just heartbreaking. Um, such a good guy and a vital part of the future of this team, and to have that happen, just terrible. But uh, we'll see. They have made revolutionary. Uh, uh, efforts in the way of shoulder surgery in the last few years. So perhaps um, they'll come up with some kind of new 
procedures or something that's not as difficult and or you know has less healing time and that'll help out with him the Mets and the Astros will play a double header Saturday in Houston and their regularly scheduled game on Sunday, the Astros announced on Wednesday, the first game of Saturday's doubleheader at 2.10 p.m. is taking the place of Friday night's game and game two of Saturday's doubleheader is the regularly scheduled game at 8.10 p.m. The aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, which is called catastrophic flooding in and around Houston, resulted in highway closures and caused 17 deaths. Uh, more now, I think it's up to 31 deaths, and was expected to force the series from Houston to Tropicana Field in Tampa, Ray, Tampa Bay, where the Astros shifted their current series against the Rangers. But they felt that it's okay around the stadium to play that game and to have the Mets go there. So um, they were going there, and um, tomorrow they will pitch. And, and ironically enough, Matt Harvey is going to be pitching uh, that first game. So I don't know. <laughs> People in Houston a little, uh, you know, don't get it. They just got hit by Hurricane Harvey, and uh, yet we're going to have Matt Harvey pitch uh, his first game back. Um, so we'll have a little bit more on that in just a few minutes. And relief pitches Jacob Rame and Jamie Callahan, two prospects the Mets acquired in trades over the summer, are among the first players New York will promote, according to uh, MLB.com's Anthony DeComo, as Major League rosters expand to 40 players. Rame, whom the Mets acquired in the Curtis Grandison trade, had struck out 66 batters in 54 innings and recorded a 4.00 ERA in 45 appearances this season at the AAA level. A 24-year-old right-handed pitcher, Raym is the Mets' number 23 prospect. Callahan, 23 years old, is 6-3 with a 2.94 ERA in 41 appearances at the AA and AAA levels this season, and he was acquired in the deal that sent Addison Reed to the Red Sox. Callahan is ranked as the number 30th prospect within the organization. And some good news, Mets right-handed pitcher Noah Syndergaard will begin a rehab assignment with the low-A Gulf Coast League Mets on Saturday when he's expected to throw just one inning. Syndergaard long-tossed Monday in St. Lucie and threw a bullpen session on Wednesday. The 25-year-old Syndergaard, who's been out since April 30th, seems like an eternity ago, doesn't it? Uh, threw off a mound for the first time two weeks ago and told reporter his reporters his body has never felt better. Syndergaard had a 3.29 ERA and a 1.09 whip in five starts, 27 and a third innings before going on the DL. And it said he wants to pitch the season despite the fact that the Mets aren't in playoff contention. And I think it's just to uh, for his own peace of mind that he can – go out there and perform again, and um, uh, let, we'll see. Uh, an inning is good, good start. Uh, let him break in a little bit slow, and we'll see. And as I mentioned early, Matt Harvey will return to start game one of Saturday's doubleheader against the Astros. He will throw roughly 80 pitchers, according to Terry Collins, 
and he is likely to get four or five big big league starts between now and the end of the season. In his last rehab start with Double A Binghamton, Harvey hit only 93 miles per hour with his fastball. However, he told reporters Wednesday that he isn't concerned. His only focus now is on getting outs, and that's a big. Uh, that's a big difference coming from Matt Harvey, who uh, wanted to throw it through the wall all the time. And, um, you know, maybe he's learning, going to learn how to pitch a little. Maybe he has learned how to pitch. And, and maybe he'll learn that he can get people out without having to throw it through the wall all the time. So uh, let's see. Uh, it's going to be interesting. All eyes will be on Matt Harvey tomorrow afternoon in Houston. And Mets third baseman and team captain David Wright, who terminated his rehab assignment this past Monday, if you didn't know that, is not yet considering retirement, a source told Mike Puma of the New York Post. Manager Terry Collins believes that Wright was dealing with discomfort before playing in rehab games, according to Puma. Wright is scheduled to be examined in New York later this week. He played three games for High A St. Lucie in a rehab stint last week as he looked to return from a short shoulder impingement that has kept him out since spring training. I continued to have shoulder pain, Wright said in a statement. I decided to go to the doctor and get it checked out. We'll make any decisions going forward after my appointment. Wright, who was on the 60-day disabled list, had been first been rehabbing in California Due to that impingement, he suffered during spring training and made the team stop his throwing program after he suffered a setback. And apparently he's told some friends that he may have to change positions. What can he, th- what can he change to? You have to make tr- throws at first base. So what is he going to change to? And some scouts that have seen him play have said he can't hit because of the shoulder and the neck issues. Just can't swing the bat like he used to. So I don't know. Um, Look, if I were the Mets, and uh, I would say, look, we're going to honor your contract. You have a place in the organization. And we'll even go so far as to say, look, um, one more go around with you. One more last home game of the year. We'll put you on the 40-man roster. The last home game, you can pinch hit in the seventh, eighth inning and and take your bows, but you have to bow out and retire. And I think that's that, that's really what the Mets have to do. They have to seriously talk about retirement to him because I can't see how he can possibly come back from this injuries and and be productive. That's the thing. You don't want to play just for the playing sake. You want to be productive, and, and he, I just don't see it. I don't know. I, I just don't see it, him coming back and being a productive force for the Mets. Um, or for anybody, I mean, he, he <laughs> you know, even uh, if he decided to want to try to go to the American League in DH, they say he can't hit. So I don't know what the answer is, but I would try to smooth it and make it as best as possible for him to retire. And um, and let's move on. Let's see what we have to do to make third base work for 
the New York Mets next year. And that's it. I'm sorry. It breaks my heart to, to see David Wright go out like this. You always hope a great player like that will go out on top when he decides to retire. But, um, you know, maybe he needs to talk to his good buddy, Michael Kadaya, who did, just didn't want to rehab anymore. And, you know, you, you've got you, you've got a, uh, 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 a great wife. You've got a, a beautiful baby. You got money in the bank. You're gonna get a job if you want it. Maybe announcing. Maybe I would. Like I said, if I was the Mets, I'd keep him in the organization. Maybe uh, let him manage Brooklyn next year. I don't think Alf- Edgardo Alfonso will be back. I could be wrong, but uh, I have a feeling he may not want to come back. And if so, you move David Wright there, or even if Alfonso wants to come back in. Let David Wright go in as a bench manager or something. It would boost the sales in Brooklyn. And it would give him a learning thing. It's something to keep busy with. So I don't know. Uh, I, I would give him that opportunity to pinch hit one more time at City Field before uh, he leaves. And I don't care how bad he looks. I think people would just like to see him play one more time. And, and that's what I would do. All right, uh, time for a break. So let's take uh, take it now and, and uh, play some messages and be back on the other side with my uh, special guest all the way from hurricane-ridden uh, devastation in, in Houston, Texas. Uh, so hang on. We'll be back with that right after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And I'm back, and I'm joined this evening by Cody Pogue of Climbing Towels Hill, a Houston Astros blog. Uh, Cody, welcome to Mets Musings. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking some uh, 
Astros and Mets. This is going to be fun. Get get my mind off of Hurricane Harvey for a bit. Yes, uh, uh, very uh, uh, very uh, terrible. What's going on down in Houston there? And uh, uh, as we, we were talking before we came on the air, that uh, you're safe and and everything is okay by you. So that's good news. But of course, a lot of devastation in the city. And uh, any idea how it is around the ballpark with the teams coming home? Oh uh, yes, man, made hard for what I could tell. Besides a little flooding down there, I think their uh, their uh, street level areas, it came out relatively unscathed. Men they park for the most part has been uh, been fine and should be ready for some ball games this weekend. Uh, but in, in that area around Men they park has been, uh, of course, the George R. Brown Convention Center downtown has been used as a uh, as a shelter for everybody who's been evacuated. But uh, the ballpark itself has been uh, reportedly it's been fine. So. That's a, that's a, that, at least that's a positive. Yeah, that's a, that's a big positive. Uh, unlike uh, you know, the Superdome had some damage during Hurricane Katrina, so that was not uh, mm-hmm. uh, a good thing. And and thankfully, Minute Maid Park came through. And and do you think it's going to be a problem for uh, fans or even for the teams getting to the park? Or I guess they they've got it all figured out uh, that it's going to be pretty okay to do it. Yes, the floodwaters for the most part in certain parts of town have receded uh, pretty well. I live on the south side of Houston, and the floodwaters have receded really well down this side of town and everything. And but uh, there's other parts of town though that were you know very hard, uh, you know very hard hit, and they just it's just going to take a while, especially on the west side of Houston. Uh, that area was hit hard. The southeast side was hit really hard, and unfortunately, it's just. You know, it's just there's a lot there's a lot of devastation down here, so it's going to be hard to tell uh, who can make it out there. But uh, I think they are expecting a pretty decent turnout, though. Well, that's great, and and I hope uh, the the mayor, I believe, said about how he wants to try to get things back to normal, and thinks that uh, playing a baseball game will help do that. And of course, so we've been through that here with Hurricane Sandy, but also with the uh, uh, 9/11 when uh, the Mets came back into town and played the first game back here, and and uh, it does help to kind of get your mind off of of the bad things and you know refocus it on something good. Exactly, exactly. And well, I remember back uh, it's been back about nine years ago now when uh, Hurricane Ike came through. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, not only did the Astros, they had a couple of games played up in Milwaukee against the Cubs, but uh, then Reliance Stadium was also tore up pretty bad. And it was a question where the, the NFL team here, the Texans, would start on time. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, you know, uh, natural disasters happen. And but I, I've been, uh, but I've been impressed with how the city of Houston has responded and. It's something to see, you know, everybody come together like this. Yeah, it certainly has been uh, a great thing, and, and let's hope it all uh, continues that way. And uh, Houston and, and the rest of Texas as well that got hit very hard get back on their feet and get things going again. But let's talk a little bit about these uh, Houston Astros here. Um, they, uh, they've been in first place, I think, since opening day. Uh, dominating their opponents. 
had a little bit they're struggling a little bit since the uh, all-star break but still uh, have a nice big lead <laughs> yes yes that's been a, a big topic of conversation down in houston lately mainly because you know the injuries have just piled up the first half of the season started off you know really well they right before the all-star break they uh tested the, the toronto blue jays 19 to 1 so they were you know you know, they were playing really good before, even before the break. And ever since the All-Star break, you know, in the meantime, they lost Carlos Correa for an extended amount of time. Uh, Lance McCullers came back, and he didn't look the best before he went back on the DL. They lost the likes of Will Harris for about a, better port, about a little over a month or, or six weeks. And then uh, you also had just various injuries, you know, uh, just to, uh, like to the likes of Evan Gass, Brian McCann. You know, it's just the injury took their hit, and uh, the Astros, while they're still playing all right baseball, it kind of shows right now. But hopefully, before they can get to the get to uh, the playoffs, they hopefully everybody can get healthy and they can get uh, they can step back up to where they were in the first half. Yeah, better better to get them uh, hurt earlier, I guess. <laughs> yes, so they can get back for the playoffs. But uh, Carlos Correa, that's got to hurt. Uh, both in the lineup and on the field, he is a, a big part of that team. Yes, he, he Carlos Correa. You can't say, uh, 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 you know, you can't have, you can't say the Astros' offense without Carlos Correa being the forefront of the discussion. He, you know, before his uh, broken uh, lig or uh, his torn ligament, I should say, in his uh, left hand by some, he had 158 WRC plus. He was putting up MVP caliber numbers just like uh, his teammate Jose Altuve. Then you also have another MVP uh, uh, level talent, in George Springer, and the Astros offense, uh, you know, they were really clicking there for a while. But ever since Correa went out, he's real, uh, the Astros offense has uh, kind of been reeling a little bit. Well, you added some uh, speed today by acquiring Cameron Mabin from uh, the Angels, I believe. Um and uh, any what what do you think about that deal that went down today? Uh, I think it was a I think it was a it, it was a decent move by the Astros. They needed to pick up somebody who can you know provide some speed on the base pass. They also uh, needed somebody who uh, can uh, you know steal bases as well. And he and actually it's funny he and Jose Altuve were are you know they're two of the stolen base leaders I believe in the American League, and then they're now on the same roster. So. I think they're hoping to keep other teams honest on the base pass. And uh, they also want to improve their uh, outfield defense. And, and and honestly, while they have high hopes for Derek Fisher, the young outfielder that you know they called up and was so famously involved in trade rumors before the trade deadline, uh, he's hitting kind of a – he's in a bit of a slump right now. So they're kind of hoping, I think, Maven kind of shakes up the outfield a little bit and kind of – revitalizes uh, at least one of those corner spots a bit. and uh, But uh, overall, I think this was a decent move by the Astros as one that they probably needed to make. Of course, one can make the argument that another starting pitcher was a greater need, but we all know how that hasn't gone, gone well. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, there's a rumor that uh, Justin Verlander, they're trying to swing a deal with Detroit before midnight. Of course, they have to do it tonight. Because uh, if you want them to pitch in the playoffs, they have to be on your roster by midnight of the 31st. So uh, any further word on the Verlander thing? 
Uh, to my knowledge, there has not been much besides uh, the early afternoon reports. Uh, of course, I was, that came down around the time that they acquired Cameron Maven from the Angels. Uh, there, was, uh, there was rumors going around that, you know, they, they had kind of active discussions with the Tigers front office for the, uh, the past 48 hours leading up to today. And, but, of course, uh, with this type of deal and with his large contract, it, it, it's always been said this was a long shot. This was always going to be a long shot, no matter, you know, no matter the rumor going on. And the fact that we're so close to the end of the day now, I'd be, I'd be relatively surprised if something did go down. Yeah, it's getting close, and, and boy, it's going to be tough with that contract. But, uh, you know, he gives you a good shot at, at winning. adds that extra arm that you may need, you know, to get past. But uh, we'll see how that works out. And we talked a little – you mentioned before um, your all-world all second baseman, Jose Altuve, and uh, he's just unbelievable and having another great year. No, oh, yes, Jose Altuve, you know, with him – He's been he's been something else. He keeps getting better every year, and uh, just when you think he can't get any better, he goes out and improves. Uh, this year, for example, he's putting up MVP level numbers. Uh, once again, he was of course one of the top three finalists for the award last year, and you know he's just he's just one of those guys that you he he uh, he drives the Astros offense in a major way. He uh, like for example he. he uh, the team they usually like to bat him, you know, uh, pretty high up in the lineup. And today he actually batted third, you know, got two hits and drove in a run, and helped kind of stop the skid that they had against the Texas Rangers while they played in Tampa. You know, today was a good win for him. It was a much needed positive win for the fans and for the team. But uh, you can't over you can't overstate that he's arguably the leader of the of the Astros uh, roster. And without him, they still be good, but they probably wouldn't be quite to the near level that they are uh, with him. And, you know, I, how much better can he be get? <laughs> <I mean. laughs> that, that's the thing. When he started out his career, uh, the, the kind of the knock on him was, well, he makes a lot of contact, you know, hit per eye average, and that's pretty much it. Everybody kind of off his power, of course, his brain, you know, being roughly five foot six and, you know, he, a lot of people were just not sure how well he could, you know, long term he could stick and if he can would he just go down as a contact guy but you know of course uh his power numbers have went up pretty much every season the past couple of years uh this year alone he's already had 20 home runs and posted a 206 uh iso and he's looking pretty you know he, he keeps improving that number of course some of that could be somebody may argue and attribute that to the you know the the juiced ball that's going, uh, the rumor going around out there, which is probably the, somewhat the case, but you can't also can't deny that this guy is really good at improving his craft. He really takes uh, from what I could tell with interviews and just, you know, uh, just with different reports you see that he really takes a lot of pride in how well he plays and he, he, he's improving across the board. So hopefully he keeps this uh, track going and, and hey, Houston may have another uh, second baseman enter the Hall of Fame one day. Boy, I'll tell you, he's just—he—he's uh, unbelievable. I love to watch him play because he's just, except against the Mets, because he kills us. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, you gotta—you gotta respect the way he plays the game. I mean, he plays hard. You know, we're in this era of all these guys with the uppercut swings to hit everything in the end. He is, he is a guy that hits the all fields and and can run and steal bases, another lost art in the game. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's sensational. And, and I, you know, I know he gets a lot of credit, but I don't think he gets all the credit he's due. And he looked, he's funny on the commercial, too. Oh, yes. He, he, <laughs> he's a funny guy. His, his antics, you know, uh, he's uh, is quite something else. I catch myself laughing or smiling when he does a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just a very well-likable guy. I don't believe there's anybody... In, on this Astros team or in baseball that probably dislikes him. Like, what is there to dislike about? He's a fun, energetic guy. He plays the game the right way. He He's really engaging with the fans. He's really out. Uh, he puts himself out there. You know, he shows emotion uh, when it's warranted. And, you know, you just, yeah, you know, this is the type of guy, even on opposing teams, other fan bases probably look and go, you can't help but respect that guy. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, and, and of course, uh, you're strung up the middle with uh, him and Springer in center field. And uh, now who's who's in for Carlos Correa now, and uh, how have they been performing? Uh, yes, uh, Carl, ever since Carlos Correa went down and uh, kind of the middle part of July, we've kind of seen a rotation of sort of go around the infield. Of course, you've seen the likes of uh, Alex Bregman slide over to shortstop. I think Marlon Gonzalez, if I'm not mistaken, maybe seeing a bit of time over there. Then uh, with them kind of taking over those duties a little bit, you also seen the likes of uh, uh, J.D. Davis, a, a recent call that Astros made, uh, the fill in third base for a little while. Tyler White. Um, you also have uh, Ulysse Gurriel. I think he has the capability of sliding over to third on occasion to help cover for um, if Bregman moves over the short. And, you know, there's been multiple guys filling that position, and they've all been doing, you know, a pretty good job. Uh, Alex Bregman, for example, he he's really stepped up in his game. He's the usual Astros third baseman, even though some fans would argue he probably should be their everyday shortstop with Correa moving to third, but you know that, that that's not going to happen for a while. But <laughs> no. uh, but he's he's really stepped up his game. Actually, Bregman was kind of considered a disappointment uh, up until probably about sometime in June, and now you know he's hitting the ball really well. He's got his uh, he's got his batting average up to two eighty five. He's got a four eighty three slugging percentage. His WRC plus is you know it's well above average at one twenty seven. He and especially with Correa being out, he's kind of filled that void a little bit in the lineup. The Astros, you know, there for a while, you know, they're like, well, you know, we'll miss Correa, but hopefully we're clicking on all cylinders. Well, around that time, Bregman stepped up his game. So, and hopefully once Correa comes back and you have a uh, hot Bregman in the lineup, along with Jose Altuve, George Springer, and Marlon Gonzalez, this lineup, you know, for what deficiencies they have in the pitching staff, this lineup should scare a lot of teams in the American League when it comes to the playoffs. Oh, without a doubt, they just—they're a tough team. And uh, uh, I got to ask about our old friend Carlos Beltran. This guy—he just never seems to get old at all. Oh no, and and that's the thing is, uh, Beltran. I remember back when he came to Houston the first time, and the. The man was electrifying in the 2004 postseason. That'll be one that'll stick out in my mind for the rest of my life. You know, he just went, he just went crazy in that, in that, post, in that especially that series against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the NLCS back in mm-hmm. 04. Wow! But he he brings a he's a of course the second snow Astros. He's much older, but he's also uh, he, his skills have deteriorated to a certain extent. But he still brings a lot of valuable experience. He's a great, from what I understand, he's a great clubhouse guy. A lot of the younger players looked up with him with great respect. I know he, uh, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, they get along really well. He's 
Uh, while his production this year hasn't been to the extent that people may expect it from a guy coming off a season where he hit 29 homers and 93 RBI with the Yankees and the Rangers last year, he stepped in and he's provided uh, he, he's provided some uh, stability at designated hitter. The past couple of years, they've been trying a couple of different guys at designated hitter. Back in 2014 and 15, it was uh, Chris Carter. Uh, last year, they kept on trying Evan Gaddis, which surprisingly, he's always the splits, I don't have them in front of me right now, but his splits as a catcher were much better than he was as a designated hitter, which speaks to, you know, I think how, uh, you know, some guys, how involved they are in the game, how warm, warmed up they could get. Hmm. But, you know, Carlos Beltran, he's provided some stability to that designated hitter role. I, I'm hoping, I think he, if I remember correctly, I, forgive me, I've not been able to keep up with much of the games the past few days due to Hurricane Harvey, but, I believe he got hit in the right foot by a pitch, so hopefully he's fine. But he's been a valuable addition. His veteran experience and leadership has been a great attribute to the clubhouse by uh, by all accounts. Yeah, I can tell you all the accounts from when he was here in New York. He was great for the kids. Uh, he, he They used to write about how he would take out the young players when – Jose Reyes and David Wright were young players. He took them out, <laughs> took them under his wing, and uh, really worked with them and helped them out along and, and really te- taught them how to be a professional uh, besides being, you know, uh, uh, just a ball player, learning, you know, how to be professional about it as well, how to, how to conduct yourself as a professional. So he's a very good uh, clubhouse presence, and, and I'm glad he's still playing and still playing at a at a relatively high level, uh, age gets us all, and uh, he's still going uh, strong, and and he will help be helpful in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes crazy in the playoffs and has one of those great playoffs again. Yes, I, and that would be you know that would be a great way to you know at the end of his career come back, have a great postseason, and hopefully lead the Astros to uh, you know postseason glory. And and uh, but he's. Uh, but yeah, his career has just been incredible. You know, he's been, you know, like I said, he's been, you know, uh, great in the clubhouse, especially with the likes of Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa. They, you know, they really look up to him. I think they've uh, hopefully learning a lot under him going forward. So, and of course, it all comes down to pitching. And uh, uh, Colin uh, McHugh, the former Met, is there, and uh, Dallas Keuchel, of course, and. Um, uh, and Morton and fires. And, um, so is this rotation ready? You mentioned before you could always use another starter, uh, take us through the rotation a little bit and the, the bullpen and, and, uh, uh, let us know how it's doing. Yes. Yeah, so the starting rotation for the most part, you know, it's been off and on the, they start out the season really well. Dallas Keiko and Lance McCullers got to great starts to the season. They looked like, you know, they both look like uh, Cy Young caliber pitchers leading this staff. They were strong one two up, up through May. The Astros they they look pretty strong. In the rotation, of course, there were some questions about the back end, but you know, starting rotation at Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, and Charlie Moore as your one two three was a pretty good start. But unfortunately, June first rolled around, and in the meantime, you had lost Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, um, Charlie Morton to uh, injuries for an extended amount of time. Uh, and that forced on the Astros to promote uh, Brad Peacock from the bullpen to the starting rotation. Uh, Mike Fires, uh, 
he the homer prone Mike Fires at the beginning of the season he had a uh, he had a good stretch of baseball throughout uh, June and July where he turned a corner it appears he's starting to kind of fall back down to earth a bit though and then uh, you know you have numerous guys still in the rotation as well you have Francis Martez one of the Astros top prospects this year he's in the bullpen now but he started a couple of games uh, Colin McHugh in the meantime came back. And uh, he, Colin McHugh has looked pretty good in his return. Uh, he's, he's still not quite to where he was back a couple of years ago when he really burst on the scene with Houston, but he's starting to kind of get a little bit of that old mojo back. And he, he, even though he didn't pitch too terribly long today, he still pitched well when he was in there. And, um, but the rotation as a whole, it, it's got his question marks. There's no question a guy like a Justin Verlander uh, would help in a major way. Sure, the long-term salary is, a, uh, is probably a big, uh, uh, you know, roadblock any potential deal. But you know, this rotation as it's built currently, it probably has enough to go the distance with this offense and the bullpen, which I'll talk about in a second. But that's only if Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, Colin McHugh, and Charlie Morton are all, uh, you know, pitching and not only pitching but pitching efficiently. Yeah, we can't have these, you know three, four inning games where they give up four, five, six runs in the first mm-hmm. couple of innings and expect the offense to chip away and come back. Postseason baseball, as we all know, doesn't usually work that way. You need strong pitching up front. And right now, it's, it, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's a bit of a question mark, but if all these guys are pitching the way that they're expected to, then I think the rotation is good, just good enough to, uh, to win it. Uh, and uh, moving on to the bullpen real quick, uh, the Astros bullpen is one of the uh, better ones in baseball. It take, it, it's taken some lumps along the way, but you have the likes of Ken Giles, who's really having a nice second season in Houston. He kind of, down here in Houston, uh, a lot of fans, you know, they're kind of on edge with Giles. And uh, he, 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 he blew a couple of saves. Uh, he's even done that some, to, to some extent this season, but he's really had a nice season uh, his second year here. I think he's finally getting used to, being here, uh, you know, the fact, there's a lot of fan uh, fan press about him, you know, being, you know, the the guy in the bullpen. I think that, uh, I think being a second year in, he's got, I think he's acclimated well to pitching for a contending club. Then you have Chris Davinsky, who just kind of came out of nowhere. If you if you're not familiar, he he was, I believe, the player to be named later in the deal that sent Brett Myers from Houston in uh, 2012, I believe, to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and uh, at the time, you know, of course, those players, players to be named later, they're kind of like, oh, this will probably be a nobody. But this turns to Chris Davinsky. <laughs> He's been a valuable weapon in that bullpen. And um, and then you also have the likes of Luke Gregerson, the you know the long term, the long time veteran who's pitched many years with like the San Diego Padres, and he he provides a good veteran uh, leadership. Uh, then you have guys like uh, Will Harris, who should be coming back, uh, who just actually just came back from the disabled. He's been, you know, he's an all-star caliber uh, relief pitcher. And then uh, you have uh, other guys that fill in too, like uh, they picked up, uh, well, they picked up Francisco Liriano. He's looking better as of late. And uh, you also have the likes of Tony Sip coming back another left-hander, even though he's had an off season of sorts the past, well, really the past two seasons, but he still has the capability. If he can recapture some of his 2015 form, uh, I have to think the Astros would be really pleased with that. But the bullpen as a whole is, is one of the strengths of the club. Uh, like, like the starting rotation, they got off to a strong start to begin the season. 
But ever really, ever since um, all of the injuries to the start rotation happened, the innings have been piling up on the arms, and it's gotten better as of late. But uh, this is a staff though that can go, uh, you know, they can go and uh, take the Astros all the way in conjunction with their strong offense. If they just get enough quality starts, the bullpen can slide in, take over, and let the offense do their work, and the Astros will be in pretty good shape. And how is Tyler Clippert doing since he's uh, come over to the Astros? Yes, Tyler Clifford. He's uh, he's pitched fairly well. I know he had recently a uh, uh, an off game of sorts, and it wasn't really his fault. There was a couple, I think, uh, hits that just kind of fell in that did him in. I think some uh some uh you know some poor defense behind him kind of mm-hmm. did him in that game. But he's this was an addition that I actually uh have been excited about uh, since they announced it. I I, I was actually on the Tyler Clifford. Uh, bandwagon back a couple of years ago when you hit the free agent market. I'm like, I really wish the Astros would kind of make a run at this guy and really, you know, target him and and use him as a main piece in the bullpen. And I'm glad they finally were able to acquire him. And it, I, you can't complain with his production thus far in Houston. Besides that one, uh, besides a, uh, one or two games as of late, he's he's pitched fairly well since he's arrived and uh, hopefully he continues. And like I said, I think he's been done in by a little bit of a, uh, I think a couple of games of bad bit has been kind of high, and I think some poor defense was kind of played behind him. So hopefully it all turns around fairly quickly. But he's another quality arm that can really, I think, get some big outs for them in the, in the late in the season and into the postseason. Well, you know, he was good for the Mets in 2015, and then I think personally he got a little, at the end of the year, he had a little back issue and continued to pitch, and he just wasn't the same after that. And, of course, got hit in the World Series and in the playoffs. And I think he lost one of the games or or blew the lead or something in one of the games. And But I believe uh, that he was hurt because he pitched well the rest of the time when he was after the Mets acquired him. So hopefully he's healthy and everybody stays healthy and you go into the playoffs healthy and uh, everything works out great. Um, you know, I don't know what the pitching matchups are. I do know that, you know, the Mets have had a ton of injuries and you're going to be getting back. We're going to get back. One of the pitchers that was injured. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, it's funny how, how, um, how life works out, but, um, Matt Harvey, no pun intended, folks, believe me, is going to be pitching that, I believe the first game of the double header. Not so sure it's the best pick in the world. After what's going uh, yeah. on, what's going on in Houston, but uh, uh, you'll be getting Matt Harvey. Which Matt Harvey you get, I have no idea. Yes, no, no, no. we've noticed that in Houston for a couple of days now. Like when we uh, when we saw the kind of announced starters for this Met series, everybody kind of noticed Matt Harvey's in. We're like, oh no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> but uh, but we may be calling him by his nickname Batman this series. So just uh, just FYI, may, <laughs> just, uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Cody, I want to thank you for coming on this evening. And again, I hope everything uh, goes well down there. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in uh, Houston and and in Texas as well. Uh, And uh, just a horrible thing. But thank you for taking the time to come and talk some baseball. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, I look forward uh, to spending and enjoying couple minutes you know talking baseball with you again the mind off of the everything going on down here and yes it's truly a devastating situation down here yes thank you for all your thoughts and prayers up there and 
you know, keep them coming. We're going to need it for quite some time. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long recovery process, but you know, I think this series against the Mets is a good first step and it should be a fun series, especially against two, you know, two 1962 NL expansion franchises. Yeah. It'll take people back. <laughs> I think it'd be a good uh, first step in the recovery process. And, and the 86 uh, NLCS too, as well. Is, is that, exactly. There'll be plenty of fans down here reliving that. I guarantee you, a lot of them be like, yeah, we got him. We got him back again. <laughs> well, thanks again. And good luck to you. And uh, we'll talk again in the future. Oh, thank you. And, and, and y'all have, have a good one. Thank you. And we'll be back right after this. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. Check us out at MetsMusings.com and find the Mets Musings podcast on Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, iTunes, Flipboard, and at BaseballPodcasts.net. That's BaseballPodcasts with an S, dot net. And we're back, and it's time to go down on the farm. And Mets right-handed pitching prospect Jordan Humphreys underwent Tommy John surgery on Tuesday, the team announced. 21-year-old Humphreys, who was the Mets' number 15 prospect, according to MLB.com, had a 1.7 ERA and a 0.87 whip with 83 strikeouts in 80 and two-thirds innings and 13 starts this season between low-A Columbia and high-A St. Lucie. The Mets selected Humphreys in the 18th round of the 2015 MLB draft. Mets left-handed prospect Thomas Zapuki, who is their number six prospect, according to MLB.com, underwent Tommy John surgery last month. Ordinary time for uh, recovery time for Tommy John surgeries between 12 and 18 months. So two more guys down in the Mets organization with uh, Tommy John surgery. Uh, it, it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's just plain nuts. Just just crazy that that the amount of Tommy John surgery that this organization and baseball in general has gone through with this last few years. It's it's the doctors are doing great by this, um, but the players aren't doing so good. And let's see, Mets prospect outfielder Tim Tebow plans to return to the Mets organization next season, according to multiple reports. Tebow, who started the season with single A Columbia, has played 59 games since his promotion to high A St. Lucie. St. Lucie's season concludes on Sunday, and Tebow is not sure what lies ahead in the immediate future. It's still something we're figuring out, but for me, it'll be a lot of training, he said Thursday via the AP. For me, it'll be about working on training and building the muscle memory where I can do it for two five, seven days and continue to build a couple of weeks at a time. So Tim Tebow could be back again at St. Lucie or maybe even higher. Catcher Thomas Nido, shortstop Louis 
Luis Guillorme, third baseman David Thompson, and outfielder Kevin Kazmarski will represent the Mets in the Arizona Fall League. The 23-year-old Nido, the Mets' number 11 prospect, according to MLB.com, is hitting 237 with a 2.93 OPB and a .366 slugging average with eight home runs, 19 doubles, 59 RBI in 97 games this season for AA Binghamton. If you recall, he led the Florida State League last year in hitting. Scuffling a little bit this year in Binghamton, but still he's going to go to um, the Arizona Fall Camp. And I wouldn't be surprised if you even seen him up in September with the big team just to get a little taste of him and see how he handles big league stuff. So um, look for that. And another guy you may see is Luis Guillorme, the Mets 13 prospect. If he's the best defensive player in the organization and perhaps the best defensive shortstop the Mets have developed since Ray Ordonez. 22-year-old is hitting 279 with a 374 OPB and a 325 slugging with one home run, 16 doubles, 37 ribbies, and uh, that's all in 122 games this season for Binghamton. The 24-year-old Thompson is the Mets' number 26 prospect. And like Nido, a uh, Brooklyn Cyclone alumni, he's hitting 260 with a 324 OPB and a 431 slugging with 16 home runs, 28 doubles, and 67 RBI this season for Binghamton. And his... Uh, his stock and trade is not going to hit for a high, high average, but he's going to hit home runs and drive in runs, and he could be could be the third baseman of the future. Um, we have to see how he does uh, further with Binghamton. It doesn't say how many games he played. Didn't play that many. I think he started the year at St. Lucie. He got called up to Binghamton. So, um, But the numbers look pretty decent there, and we'll see what happens with his future, and he could be up as well. Kazmarski, 25, is not among the Mets' top 30 prospects. He is hitting 273 with a 370 OPB and a 364 slugging with four home runs, 18 doubles, and 49 RBI in 124 games this season for Binghamton. The Arizona Fall League will run from October 10th through November 18th. And let's take a look at some of the uh, organizational leaders in the position players. Average, uh, Rigoberto Tarazas in Kingsport has got a 348 average. Warner Wagner Lagrange in Brooklyn has got a 332. Dominic Smith, before he got called up, was hitting 330 in Vegas. Same thing, Ahmad Rosario, he was hitting 328 in Vegas. Walter Rasquin. Uh, with the Cyclones hitting 302, Juan Urate in Kingsport 299, and Patrick Mazika hitting 290 with Binghamton. In the home run department leading the organization, Travis Tyrone, before he was called up, he had 25. Pete Alonzo is at Binghamton with 16. David Thompson also at Binghamton with 16. Cody Decker with Vegas with 14. In the RBI department, Travis Tyrone uh, with 78, leading the pack. Uh, Dominic Smith had 76. Dash winning him with Columbia at 69. David Thompson had uh, 67. Johan Urena had 66. Johan Urena is an interesting uh, story. He's with Vegas now. He was... He played in Brooklyn with uh, Ahmad Rosario. Now they were counting them as being the left side of the infield in the future. Johan ran into some injury problems off and on. 
and uh, really struggled for a couple of years, but he seems to have straightened it out. And um, if he can start hitting, he's he's definitely uh, can play third base. Got a, a good arm, and uh, if he can hit, he'll he may be in this. He may be in the, the talk about third baseman of the future in the steals department. Champ Stewart of Binghamton has thirty four. Fastest guy in the organization, maybe the fastest guy the Mets have had. Problem is, he can't steal first base. He cannot get. He can't hit that well. Um, they're working with him, trying because that kind of speed is, you know, you can always do that. And uh, don't be surprised if he's not up just to to use as a pinch runner or something. I'm sure if if he was, uh, if the Mets were in contention, they would have used him um, with the expanded rosters to run sometime. But um, champs do it at. The Binghamton is 34 stolen bases. Jacob Zanin at St. Lucie, another Cyclone, uh, former Cyclone, 30 steals. Walter Rasquin with Brooklyn got 27. And Jose Miguel Medina, also a Cyclone, has 25. And uh, some of the leading organizational pitchers uh, in ERA is uh, Jason Villera at Gulf Coast League Mets. He's got a 2.01 ERA, Corey Oswalt at Binghamton with a 2.37. P.J. Conlin in Binghamton, a 3.46. Harold Gonzalez at St. Lucie with a 3.53. Mickey Janice, former Long Island Duck, and now with Binghamton, he is uh, has a 3.77 um, ERA. And let's see, in the wins department, Mirandy Gonzalez of St. Lucie has 12. Andrew Church with St. Lucie also has 12. Corey Oswald has 11. He's at Binghamton. Casey Delgado, Delgado also in Binghamton with 10. And the aforementioned Jordan Humphreys before his surgery had 10 wins at St. Lucie. In the saves department, Corey Burns of Binghamton with 18. Adonis Yusita at Binghamton with 13. Tyler Bechlor at uh, Binghamton with 12. And Chase Bradford, Jason Bradford, before he got called up from Vegas with 11. And strikeouts, Nabil Chrismat of St. Lucie. Uh, has 137. Corey Oswald at Binghamton with 111. P.J. Conlin at Binghamton with 106. Harold Gonzalez at St. Lucie with 100. And Andrew Church with 97. And he is also at St. Lucie. And those are guys, those those guys there, Corey Oswald, Harold Gonzalez, Mirandy Gonzalez, Andrew Church, uh, Casey Delgado, keep your eyes open for them in the future, folks, because I think they are unsung so far as potential starting pitches for this team in the future as we go along. And uh, so just keep your eyes peeled for them, and remember you heard about it here. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode, uh, the Mets Go to Houston, as we said, on Saturday and Sunday for three games. They play a doubleheader on Saturday and a Sunday afternoon game. And they come home to play three against the Philadelphia Phillies and four against the Cincinnati Red Red Wings. (laughs) I'm thinking about hockey, I guess. Cincinnati Red Legs. Got to get some revenge for last week's... uh, Two out of three that they lost in Cincy. We're going to have them on our home field. So let's get some uh, revenge there. All right. So have a great week, everybody. And I will talk to you next week. And until then, remember, keep the faith, 
stay optimistic, and let's go Mets.